0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is December the 23rd, 2022, two days before Christmas. But it's not Christmas this year for everyone, particularly for a young man called Sam Bankman freed. Um, The headlines today, at least on uh, December the 23rd, is that he was freed on $250 million worth of bonds, although it's not entirely clear where that money is going to come from. Some of it's been put up by his parents, and he is going to go into his parents' custody, quite a punishment for a 30-year-old man. Uh, Meanwhile, his... Ex-girlfriend and partner Caroline Ellison has admitted to conspiring to steal billions of dollars from FDX, one of its holding companies. Um, so it looks as if uh, Sam bankman fried is going to spend a lot of the rest of his life, if not the rest of his life, in jail. Um, how does it compare to other great historical frauds? Of course, the one that often comes to mind is Bernie Madoff who, as it happens, um, went to jail almost 14 years um, just before uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried has found himself in trouble. It's an interesting comparison. Uh, Bankman-Fried and Bernie Madoff, did they use similar tactics? One person who I think can speak uh, very intelligently and knowledgeably about this is my guest today on the show, uh, Jim Campbell. His book, Madoff Talks, uncovering the untold story behind the most notorious Ponzi scheme in history, came out last year. And when this interview comes out uh, on January 4th, uh, there is a Netflix series coming out dealing um, uh, with, uh, with this uh, monster, according to Netflix, of Wall Street. Jim is joining us from Greenwich, Connecticut. It's not quite cold there, Jim, but it will be Um, sort of place where Bernie Madoff hang out. I'm sure Sam Bankman-Fried, too. I want to, of course, mostly talk about Bernie Madoff in this conversation. But when you've been reading about Sam Bankman-Fried, has Bernie come to mind? Are there similarities between uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and Bernie Madoff?
1: Thanks for having me on, Andrew, first, and... uh... And appreciate uh, that you're going to play this on the day the Netflix uh, comes out. And let me tell you, there are uh, striking similarities. And then there's some differences with other scandals, uh, actually. And I kind of start off with the uh, sense that both of these guys were brilliant at building, cultivating trust. Uh, Bernie was called the Jewish T-bill by his uh, customers, 85% of whom were Jewish in an affinity, uh, crime. And, um, they didn't understand what he was doing, but he was as secure as the U S, uh, treasuries. On the other hand, SBF has cultivated it with a, his altruistic, um, effect, uh, which was to give everything back to society at, at some point, which now looks like other people's money, uh, to society and the way he cultivated politicians, former regulators. And, um, in the same sense there, The second thing that I noticed before we get to technical kinds of similarities, I know this for a fact from Bernie, because we had 400 pages of communications back and forth, and that is a lack of remorse um, that should be there. Bernie would even tell me, you know, Jim, my lawyers say I've got to show remorse, and then almost immediately dive into these people were greedy, they were pressuring me, I always had to get returns for them, and of course, the whole thing was his scheme, Um, SBF you know is appeared to use the dog ate my homework uh story which doesn't work in fifth grade either and yeah. uh, with, with a sense that um instead of feeling or showing this remorse you get the sense that he's oblivious and he's sitting there you know willing to talk to anybody which no lawyer would tell him to do and, and it's
0: both his parents uh
1: yeah the law professors disparity. at
0: stanford in fact his one of his parents taught my wife at law school, so it, oh, it's really? particularly chilling. Uh,
1: uh,
0: Jim, you, you uh, you're not from Madoff's world, although you um, you're the host of a, a business talk radio show. Um, how did you get to access to, to Madoff to do yeah, to our... do the book these these the four hundred uh, pages? Well, how, how did you get to talk to him? I mean, he's not yeah. the kind of guy you can just ring up. Uh,
1: I have to say a lot of it was fortuitous. I was interviewing a woman that did a book that Andrew Madoff and Ruth Madoff had cooperated with to an extent. And out of the blue, she said, you know, for your prep tomorrow in our interview, do you want to talk to Andy Madoff, Andrew Madoff? uh, I get Andrew on the phone. It's all off the record because he's being sued by everybody. This is the son who later died, right? Yes, this is the son, the younger son who died of cancer in 2014. The older son committed suicide two days, um, two years to the day of Bernie's arrest. As Andrew told me, he killed my brother quickly and he's killing me slowly. And uh, so I got to talk to Andy. I grilled him off the record and um, he's then listened to the show. And then he connected me with Ruth because by coincidence, Ruth was moving to Greenwich where I live. I took Ruth out for dinner and Ruth introduced me to Bernie. And, um, you know, I told and Bernie. this to was... Me, um... At what this point? Was, what year was this? This was back as, as far back as like 2011 or so. But he was, um, so he was in jail. He's obviously. in jail. And in fact, what has to happen is the warden approves an email relationship between Bernie and I. And he sent me also handwritten seven page letters. And um, so it was very amazing, sort of Nixonian and always claiming that he'd been misunderstood and all of this stuff and on and on and on. You, you say it was
0: fortuitous. I mean, obviously, you've you've got an interesting book out of it. In that sense, it's good fortune. Yeah. But and and my real... guess is uh, every time you talk to him or every time you got a you got a, a letter or a message from him, Jim, you wanted to take a shower.
1: <laughs> Um, I tell you, he's charis- he was charismatic, he passed away, of course, um, very bright, tremendous recall, and, a, and a, a con man in a low-key, non-con man kind of way. And um, so the, the shower comes from the fact that after you deal with him long enough and you go vet it, there's just so many lies inside of this and so much attention on his narcissistic need to be the go-to guy that he had a legitimate business, which is true, was worth $3 billion at the height without the Ponzi scheme. And he just had to keep conveying, Jim, this was real. It was real. My returns were good. Oh, so I stopped trading. I understand that. By the way, I found he never traded in that business. And you're right. I mean, as
0: as you know, of the almost $20 billion entrusted to Madoff, none of it was invested.
1: No. In fact, um, he... It was a classic Ponzi scheme where you always need more money coming in the front door from people that are going out the back door, people taking redemptions. And that's why they don't don't normally survive. And by the way, um, no real investment activity is going on. So you look at compare that to SBF and well, there certainly was real investment activity in his crypto exchange. But it looks like over time he started to try to manipulate the FTT token, which was the quote currency, because they had taken Customer funds, put it in the affiliated company he owned, Alameda, and use that to collateralize debt and loans back to him. That is stealing customer money. That is commingling customer money, which is exactly what Bernie did. But then moving into manipulating the price of the FTT token, you start getting into stuff that even Bernie didn't do in that sense. And it becomes a little bit closer to the Ponzi scheme um, concept. And um, so, and this guy who, you know, so comfortable in his integrity and his goodness, um, doing such blatant fraud and just claiming the dog ate the homework. I didn't know. I didn't know it was going over there. I didn't know. It's astonishing
0: to look, when you look at him though, he does look, he has this sort of air of, if not of innocence, certainly of just sort of like a deer caught in the headlights. Did Madoff have that too? uh
1: bernie you know he he was very secretive in this business right and he operated through all these feeder funds that fed him money that he denied he was actually a fund manager just saying he was doing transactions and in a sense that's the opposite i mean this guy was out front he was talking to anybody sbf he's on tv after yeah. this thing. it's astonishing uh, yeah. yeah bernie was totally non-transparent and everybody that was funneling money to him they weren't allowed to do any due diligence they weren't allowed to even say he was the manager and by the way this failure of due diligence by institutional firms in in bernie's case it was all the hedge feeder funds in this guy's case it was big funds like sequoia BlackRock, saf uh soft uh Yeah, he knew how
0: to talk crypt He, he knew crypto speech The the subtitle of your book Jim, is uncovering the untold story. Most of us think we know the Madoff story. What what did you reveal or what do you reveal that hadn't been told before?
1: Okay. Um, The first thing is I set out in one of my objectives to determine if uh, the family, Ruth, Mark and Andrew knew or participated. And going into that, remember, the public assumed they did. The Justice Department assumed they did. The FBI assumed they did. And the uh, bankruptcy trustee assumed they did. And um, that uh, I did my investigation. Uh, And what
0: was your conclusion? Did they know about
1: it? Yeah, it's in Chapter 8. They did not know about it. Um, And there's a lot of things that don't look good. And people will say, should they have known, et cetera? And maybe they should have. But the other, the untold piece of this is that two other pieces, but the failure, the systemic failure of the regulatory system. And I mean, the SEC did five separate investigations and not only never uncovered a Ponzi scheme, they investigate him for the same thing over and over, which is called front running, which he never did. And after they exonerated, they redid him. SIPIC, which is supposed to be like the FDIC, not only didn't have any money, their premium was $150 a year, no matter whether you were Goldman Sachs. They made their money. They, they clawed back by taking money from one set of made-off victims and giving it to another set because there was no money in SIPC. And they took $2 billion in fees. FINRA, the, the oversight firm in, on Wall Street, also completely missed it. And so you have failure upon failure upon failure. And then and the, and the feeder funds obviously knew something was up when they weren't allowed to do due diligence, which is their entire job. The other big untold piece is the sense that made up, you know, was worked by himself on the 17th floor of the lipstick building behind locked doors like a Wizard of Oz. Well, he had what I call four sets of co-conspirators. The first were the big four, and these were guys that bailed him out periodically, the biggest of which— And most people haven't heard of these guys. The biggest of which, and this will blow you away, took seven billion dollars out of the Ponzi uh, scheme. Madoff only took 800 million, which he funneled into the uh, legitimate business to keep it going. The willfully blind co conspirators, which is the feeder funds I told you about, who Bernie passed on the management fees, which are lucrative to them in return for their silence. The unwitting co-conspirators, which I just alluded to, the SEC and the government, and the witless uh, uh, co-conspirators. Was there anything
0: in Bernie's argument that the people he was dealing with were as greedy as he was, and they demanded returns, and they they wanted to believe in it? Certainly when it comes to crypto, it's sometimes quite hard to feel sympathy for some of the people who have lost money on crypto, they believe the nonsense. It was obvious. Everybody knew that crypto was a scam. Not everyone knew SBF was a scam, but everyone knew that as, um, uh, as an economic, and that's a, I, I use that word carefully, as an economic idea, it was, if not a Ponzi scheme, certainly on
1: incredibly thin ice. Could you say First, the same yeah. for
0: Madoff's customers?
1: Yeah, as I said on the crypto side, there's no store of value behind what is supposedly right, and many.
0: I've had many VCs on the show saying exactly that. I mean, you don't yes. need to
1: be a genius to see through it on, on sympathy. The Madoff victims, people, you know, were a first to so say, oh, these are all rich people. Screw them. They may, you know, they they were greedy. But the truth is a lot of Madoff's longtime investors, and we're talking 40 years back from 1908, uh, 2008, were not wealthy. They were giving peer money every year, some every month, and, it, and some put their life savings in it. And then they were victimized by the government and SIPC and SEC not finding it, not really reimbursing. And in some cases, so if they had taken out more than they'd put in, the SEC went after them down to their house, if they could, uh, to claw back money. Now, the big four The feeder funds that should have known something was up, that didn't do their due diligence, that knew Bernie was misrepresenting it. And remember, Bernie's strategy was an equity index based strategy. And, you know, anybody knows that cannot go up every month. And Bernie's strategy went up every single month. What you're
0: saying is that people just essentially turned a blind eye. They knew something was off. But as long as they were getting their money, they didn't object or cause
1: any trouble. By the way, talking about blind eye, J.P. Morgan was his uh, checking account, essentially, where all that money was and where Bernie was taking it, just like SBF was doing it from his exchange. Um, J.P. Morgan was the only entity that could see into how much Bernie really had. Mm-hmm. Bernie told me he never had more than $5.9 in that account, even though he was saying he had $65 billion in total. Secondly, $170 billion ran through that account. He had told JP Morgan it was an operating account paying rent and stuff like this. And then finally, if you're doing trading, you have to be getting money and paying counterparties. And if it's an equity strategy, dividends should come in here. In the two-minute look by JP Morgan, they would have seen there was never one single payment. Or received from a from a uh, counterparty in forty years, and nor was there one dollar of dividend deposited. There should have been four billion. yeah uh, so, uh,
0: Jim, you're in Greenwich Greenwich, Connecticut, the heart of yeah financial capitalism in America did, did did this book and your experience and your research has it made you into a socialist into a skeptic of capitalism, particularly of financial capitalism?
1: Say, by the way, you talk of Greenwich, the biggest hedge fund was Fairfield Greenwich. Um, they, they made like billion and a half in fees and they completely um, abrogated uh, their due diligence. Right. And I, I'm a pro Wall Street, you know, pro capitalist guy. But I am a complete, um, you know, critic of sleaze and where regulatory. Um, inco- but we can't be, I, It's always easy to blame the regulators. If they do too much,
0: we accuse them of Stalinism. If they don't do enough, we accuse them of being lazy or corrupt. Ultimately, you can't shift the blame. I mean, this all lies with Bernie Madoff and his
1: co-conspirators, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, the SEC, um, though, positions itself as a cop on the beat, and it isn't true. What the What the SEC is, they come in and clean up messes afterward. Are they shackled, Jim, by the absence of laws, or are they simply indifferent? Uh, they're, they're shackled. When, when Madoff happened, they were shackled by themselves. They had the wrong kind of people, a lot of young lawyers who didn't understand the markets and they didn't even talk to each other. And, you know, so you have the New York branch not talking to the Boston branch and finally, utterly incompetent. Harry Markopoulos with the whistleblower, who's a great guy. Is he as
0: as heroic as he's represented in in some of the movies I've
1: seen? Absolutely. Completely honest and brilliant. His trouble was he was very arrogant back then and he didn't realize how much he had to dumb it down to the SEC. Briefly, Jim,
0: tell us about him because not everyone would be familiar with Mark He's
1: He's a guy that um, he's a bulldog and he's brilliant. And um, he was in a competitive fund with Madoff and his bosses were saying, Madoff's getting these results that are unbelievable, not in so high, but that they were so consistent with no risk, apparently. And what the heck's going on, Harry? So um, Harry figured he had to re-engineer it. He got access to Madoff's returns. Now, remember, the, F- the SEC missed this for 20 years and um, did five separate investigations. Harry, within two hours, figured out on a spreadsheet, which, which is in the book, a screenshot, uh, within two hours of the results were impossible. In fact, Rather than 95% correlation, he found five percent correlation with the overall market. And in reality, it became like under two percent.
0: One of the things, Jim, I always think when with these scams is when you hear people say, I'm not intelligent enough to understand this, they said it about crypto. I'm sure they said it about Madoff. You know that that something's up, don't you? Because we are intelligent enough of Fini- uh, financial. Fraud might be complicated, but interest rates aren't. So for example, when I heard about some crypto people getting 20, 25% quote unquote guaranteed on their money, you knew it was a scam. That,
1: that, that is a complete scam because that's exactly, Madoff would uh, give a what he called a benchmark report to his investors on January 1st, telling them what the exact return would be on the, the 30th, which of course is impossible. And the crypto is completely, uh, completely unstable. Um, so And volatile. And and that, that is a red flag. And by the way, what you just said as well is you don't have to be brilliant to, to, to understand this. The, the concepts of the fraud are very simple once you understand them, you know, and, and in this case, you know, co money is a no-no right off the bat. Right, I mean,
0: what Bernie did, we took everyone's money, promised to invest it, didn't, took more and more, gave some of it back, but it was always a fraud. You talked about the family and how you broke the news on, uh, you think, at least, the innocence. It's a, you know, we can joke about it, but it's a horrible tragedy. His sister and her husband committed suicide. Yes. Um, he took the family down. As you say, one son died of cancer, another of suicide. God knows how his wife still lives with herself. How, how much of a tragedy was this, a family tragedy, Jim? How, how, how disturbing is it or was it?
1: It is Shakespearean like the boys worshipped him. Ruth was dating him since the age of thirteen. Uh, that that part that's an utter tragedy. But I always put a caveat saying the victims being totally innocent victims being totally wiped out of their savings, an average age of upper seventies, where some had to go to work in Walmart. That is a tragedy of a different nature. Yeah, I'm not. Ex-
0: yeah, I, I I don't want to compare the two, but. Yeah. From a, a Shakespearean point of view, the tragedy of
1: I mean, it, you suggest though he must have been a reasonable father and husband. They're, they're very, very, very close family. They worshipped him. And, you know, I told Andy, I said, this is people thought, you know, were convinced he knew when, when he confessed to them in their penthouse on the Upper East Side. Within within the instant he and Andrew and Mark left the apartment to go to talk to their lawyers to figure out how to turn their father in. They didn't wait. They didn't move their money. They didn't try to get away or anything like that. And Andrew never spoke another word to his father ever again. I would tell him, why don't you talk to him to get closure for yourself? Forget him. And he said, never, he's dead to me. And what about the wife? That's a good question too. Ruth had a, had a hard, Ruth, was in a cult almost of Bernie. It caused a huge schism in the family because the boys wanted her to have nothing to do with him. She could not break off with him. She um, allowed herself to be convinced by Bernie that it was overblown. It wasn't as bad as they said. When I came along, she was pretty much in the stage of, I'm getting away from him. I understand he's an evil guy. He ruined our lives. But Jim, she was honest. I could never totally divorced myself from him he wow. continued to email her and stuff like that but she didn't go visit him and um i don't know if you know this but his uh remains were cremated and they're they're in the lawyer's office um uh none of the family would accept the remains
0: yeah and it brings to mind um you know, i'd made the joke about him having to go back and live with his parents but it's a terrible tragedy for for sam bankman freed's parents, two law professors at Stanford, they've been featured. I mean, what, I don't suppose they're watching this, but what advice, given that you went through it with Madoff's family, what advice would you give the people close to Sam Bankman-Fried, his parents, his brother, their friends,
1: their family? Yeah, you know, the first thing I'm gonna say is, uh, I I would like to understand complicity. Because as I said, everybody thought the Madoff family was involved and I had to do a lot of investigation. These, these guys have benefited from some of that $300 million of real estate that was bought in the Bahamas. And these guys were sophisticated lawyers at Stanford Law School. And this guy's running a, a scheme spreading around that kind of money with no controls, no nothing. So I would, I would need first to know, come on, guys, you really have no clue this thing was out of control and that your son was doing a major fraud. Um, and I would like to find that out first. Um, the second thing I would say is you got to you, be contrite um, and, and honest about that and uh, don't go into hiding and, you know, um, come clean on all this uh, stuff. But they don't look like sympathetic folks uh, on the cover, you know, of this of this of this deal, unless, unless these guys are as naive. I
0: heard them. Um, I'm not sure if it's true. I heard that Michael Lewis was talking extensively to SPF before yes. this broke. Yes. So there are going to be a lot of books, a lot of um, a lot of movies, uh, probably some plays about this. Let's uh, Jim, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the the Netflix event, um, which is out just when people begin watching this. They're releasing a, a documentary series. What what should people expect in this series that they don't know about Bernie Madoff? Don't give everything away because we want everyone to watch.
1: Right. Um, first off, the producer is Joe Berlinger, who is very well regarded. He is the number one true crime uh, director for Netflix. And, and he's especially has been financials. I'm uh, sorry, murders, uh, serial killers. And it's interesting that he's moving into what sort of a financial serial killer. He's also done um, documentaries on Jeffrey Epstein, Ghislaine Maxwell and um, Ted Bundy. Hall of, after- of
0: shame. All these. Yeah,
1: you know, a real, a real.
0: I, uh, I feel like taking a shower, Jim. Just hearing those names.
1: So, it, first of all, it's kind of a thriller. Um, secondly, uh, what he's done is thriller in what? I mean, uh, what's what, what? Where's the thriller element? Everyone knew he was a crook. Oh, uh, it's, it, it's 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 going to be a four-part series 4 one-hour episodes. He's recreated the 19th floor with this pristine trading state-of-the-art uh, that he ran legitimately, and then hidden on the 17th floor, of this. Dilapidated, paper-oriented, where he hid the uh, Ponzi scheme. Who, who, who plays uh, Bernie? Yeah, and I'll tell you something. The untold again. They optioned my book, so it goes through as I did, sort of the architecture uh, of this from from whether it's the uh, the big four or the um, uh, systemic failure, and people were going to find it very informative. And it's also, as my book is in this sense, a morality tale. While it looks very simple, I'll be sorry, very complex financials, it's really very Shakespearean and very simple. And why did some guy go down the wrong path and some guy, uh, some guys go down uh, the right path? And um, it's obviously timely because of SBF. And um, it's into four episodes, starting with Bernie. Right. Well, Kennedy- we Walker.
0: hope everyone watches it, starting almost as we speak. Um the subtitle is made of the monster of wall street was he a monster and if he was in what sense jim
1: you know the sense he was a monster in i think is the the total lack of remorse the, the almost sociopathic the stuff that's so interesting it was he was a, he ran it as a family firm and the legitimate business the employees were comp- incredibly loyal to him he would pay for their honeymoons he would pay for um uh, you know, for me- sudden medical emergencies and stuff. So it's not black and white, but the well, fact- he was
0: paying that- in stolen money. So just like SBF
1: giving away money that he didn't really have. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's exactly correct in the in the latter part. The initial business was completely honest, completely separate. The one I told you was worth $3 billion. built from scratch, got 7% share, number three of market share. And it was legitimate, not only was it legitimate, the customers were treated totally well, unlike places like Robin Hood or SBF. Um, they they it was, that was legitimate. Obviously, at some point, he started having to funnel money in it to uh, to keep it to keep it going around 2000 and later. And that that obviously then is pure stolen uh, money and uh, pure fraud. But um, it's it's um, it's a, it's a it's a fascinating story. His mind, just to tell you how complex it was. He half of it was running the most legitimate business on Wall Street, and half was running the biggest criminal enterprise ever. And he was doing them side by side forever. It's not like he had a sudden loss like SBF did. I, I wonder if, he,
0: if we were able to map his brain or his soul or his mentality, where we would have, we would see a similar split.
1: I you see. That's it. I, I can't claim I know that on SBF, but when I see signs like no remorse and he's up there with arrogance on TV every day proclaiming, hey, the dog ate my homework. you know. And I'm I don't sorry. Think I don't you know.
0: can do one of these massive frauds without 100% or 150% believing it yourself. Because if if you know what you're doing, firstly, you probably wouldn't do it. And secondly, people would figure it out. And, and you wouldn't be talking, by the way. <laughs> and you can right, see. So, so uh, People are going to start watching this. I'm sure it's, uh, I'm going to be watching Madoff, The Monster of Wall Street on Netflix. Uh, uh, it, it will be starting as you watch this interview on um, on uh, January 4th. What lessons beyond the, the Madoff narrative uh, would you like, um, Jim, people to learn? Firstly, as perhaps investors, and secondly, as citizens and people, yeah. Americans who want to fashion or refashion a better capitalism in America.
1: The first thing I say is, you know, take responsibility for your own money and your own investments. Don't trust somebody if your dentist uh, tells you or you don't understand it. I could never find anybody that understood what Madoff's strategy was, even though it was basically conceptually easy. And I tell people that the stock market has grown 9% compounded for over a hundred years. So you know what? Madoff was only giving away 11% at the end. Buy the index and sleep at night, and take your nine percent versus something you don't really uh, understand. Don't ex- don't don't assume the SEC and the government are going to find it. Um, so uh, y- beware. I use I say take the Hippocratic oath from medical profession. Do do no harm. Uh, the other thing is I reform the regulatory system to the degree that the SEC can get ahead of these things, not be behind it. I don't mean micro uh, control. And regulatory, I mean, getting the right people in there. And you and I, I could. When this book came out, I said crypto market is going to have a crash at some point. The SPAC market is going to have a crash at some point. And this is two years ago, and both have happened. So why, Where was the SEC? Why is it just coming in? Uh, coming in now. And the other thing is, you know, the the morality tale of this: stay on the right path. Um, If you make a mistake, own up to it. That's part of the thing. Both SBF and Bernie couldn't own up to it. And they were both trying to raise money right at the end. You see, SBF was trying to get investment money into this boondoggle after he'd already lost. uh, He'd moved 8 billion bucks and lost 3 billion and has a million creditors already. That's not the right answer.